Hello and welcome to another episode of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon. I'm a chartered psychologist and coach. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Pilar Orti. Pilar, how are you doing? I am. Can you imagine if I said I'm doing terribly? <laughs> what would you do then? <laughs> One of these days, you might. <laughs> it's going to happen, yes. <laughs> so many episodes, it's bound to happen. No, I am, uh, I am really well. And, uh, and I trust that you are too. All good here. I'm just back from a weekend away and I'm feeling refreshed and oh. delighted. Yes. So, yeah, all good. All good. So, um, before we dive into the, the main topic of this episode, which is a, a coaching focused episode, um, I wanted to share a couple of news updates for our listeners. So back on the 16th of March, we had our considering coaching webinar where uh, Rachel Skews and I introduced um, the concept of coaching in a professional way. We uh, wanted our attendees to understand that not all coaching is created equal and that there's a, a more helpful, a more impactful way of delivering coaching at work. Now, we recorded that, so you'll be able to find a copy of the recording uh, on our website, and I'll leave a link to that uh, in the show notes so you can find out a little bit more about what we were discussing and what kind of questions we answered and so on. And uh, next month, we're going to have another free coaching-themed webinar uh, where we'll be talking about our Coach on Campus solution. And I think I've mentioned this previously, but it's our sort of agile and flexible approach to coaching where um, members of your team uh, will uh, sign up for one session, maybe that's all they want, or two sessions, but there's um, a, a set number of sessions in the diary with your organization each month, and your employees can draw down on those as they need. So we're, we're really emphasizing the flexibility, but also access to really good quality, evidence-based coaching. So uh, that will be a great opportunity for people interested in that to learn more about that particular solution. So for this episode and continuing our uh, recent focus on coaching and maybe with people who are considering coaching in mind, I'd really like to discuss some of the common myths, misunderstandings, misconceptions, however you want to put it, uh, that I come across while working as a coaching psychologist. There are many, <laughs> mm. but we don't have um, enough time to go through them all. So I just thought I will pick the ones that I am very used to answering or covering off when introducing coaching into a new organization, or maybe having a chemistry call with someone who's interested in working with a coach. How does that sound to you, Pilar? Yeah, that's uh that that should be fun. <laughs> I always like busting myths. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. So uh so so I suppose the question is Richard, are you ready to bust some myths around coaching? I'm, I've got my myth busting boots on and I'm I'm good to go. And uh, just to clarify, we're talking about coaching, what I would say with a capital C, so working with as you say a coaching psychologist. Absolutely. Working with a coach where you know it's coaching, you've signed up for it, you've got discrete coaching sessions, that kind of coaching, not the day-to-day -day maybe performance coaching that a manager might engage in. Great. So myth number one, my coach will tell me what to do. And uh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this? 
Well, I really like this one because it's something that often uh, I I often call out to people I hear saying that my coach has told me this, or sometimes um, I listen to a podcast where a lady who's wonderful gives advice and she says, I'm like your mini coach. And I always think, well, if we're being strict about this, <laughs> I think that uh, someone who's giving you so much advice maybe is not what we'd refer as a coach. So is that right? Is it right mm. that my coach will tell me what to do is a myth? I think it's fair to say it's a myth in the workplace environment. When we're providing the coaching that we provide, we're not going to tell people what to do. Unlike, say, uh, sports coaching, where you're getting feedback on your performance live and someone is telling you how to do it better, right? But what we're not going to do is sit down with someone and say, get out your pen and paper and make a list. I'm going to tell you what you should do next. Um, within coaching, we want to understand where someone's coming from, what's important to them, where they want to get to. Uh, what we what we don't want to do is impose our perspective on the coachee. And one of the big frustrations that I encounter is that people uh, sometimes want the coach to make a decision for them and tell them what to do next. And that's what I'm I'm getting at here. I won't tell you what to do. I want to be on your side and understand your perspective and help you decide what you want to do. But if I tell you what uh, I want you to do, then that's not really coaching anymore. But is there also an element or but or and? <laughs> is there an element at some point where you might recommend someone does something? Uh, well, as, as you're going through the conversation and you when you understand the person and when maybe you've had at least a session with them or something, is there an element Absolutely. when you will give advice? Not advice. Uh, so I try not to frame it as advice. Mm. What I try and do is leverage um, my uh, training and my experience as a psychologist. And so when someone is struggling with something and um, very frequently we'll, we'll explore uh, maybe what they're doing that contributes to their um, feelings of stress and overwhelm at work. Now, what I don't want to do is tell them, right, here's the top five things everyone does, so you need to stop doing those. But when I ask them about this and they elaborate and explain their habits and their perspectives and how that contributes to stress. Then we explore what they could do differently and explore ways they might experiment with doing that differently. And so the telling in there might be to tell them that it's easier to cultivate small habits that will benefit you over time than it is to try and change everything in one go and be overwhelmed by the amount of change. But I won't tell them, stop doing that, start doing this. So there's, there's definitely room for interpretation there because they want to work with a coach who's an expert. But at the same time, I'm not your GP. I'm not going to give you a prescription and send you away telling you what to do. I want to empower you so you understand your options and you choose with intent from that list of options. So would it be right to say it's more guidance around the change process, maybe, but not what the change should be? So the guidance That's a really is in a good broader way of putting it. Absolutely, and if you know, particularly with the the ethos that we bring to coaching on my team, you know, we frequently look at this through the lens of psychological flexibility, and of course, there'll be some telling in that because. I'll need to tell someone how to practice these skills they want to develop um, as opposed to, you know, figure it out for yourself. But what I don't want to do is tell someone what their goal might be 
or what they should do at a, at a decision point or how they should deal with a, a challenge they're, they're grappling with. And that's really difficult. I spoke to someone who just did some coaching training for the first time recently. And we both observed that when you start training in this space, one of the biggest battles is fighting with the urge to give advice because it's a human thing. Someone comes to you with a problem, it's expedient to tell them what to do. But of course, as soon as you withhold that, you realize, well, my answer might not be right for them. And actually telling them the answer may not help them in the longer term. You know, actually talking to them about the challenge might increase their self-awareness and give them a different perspective on this particular context that they're dealing with. So we try and avoid the tell try and avoid making decisions for someone because then you're acting more like a mentor or a friend even than a coach who's trying to be objective. Great. Well, that's that myth busted, but we can see also where it's coming through. I think it's also where it's really interesting that as well. Uh, right. Myth number two, coaching is just talking things through. What do so you think? I suppose, well, there's a lot of talking through, so it's not that it, but I suppose that the key is in that it's just, it's probably the it, myth. It is. It is. And I'm framing this as a myth. I mean, it's often a criticism <laughs> thrown my way, you know, coaching is just talking, um, where I would disagree with that really strongly. Of course, we're humans. We need to communicate if we're going to, to do things together. And that's what coaching is. It's working together. But if we were just having long conversations, I don't think I'd class that as coaching because I think inherent to coaching is the action that arises from the conversation. And so um, while you might have a light bulb moment in a coaching session with me or anyone on the team, um, actually it's what you do with that insight afterwards that makes all the difference because then the rubber hits the road. Then you're experiencing things, maybe new things or new perspectives on things, but you're doing things and the doing changes your view. It changes your circumstances. It gives you a fresh perspective. And then you come back and we discuss it and then you move forward with new doing. Um, so this is one that I really emphasize. Uh, so for example, when I introduce coaching to a new organization, and I know many people will be taking advantage of it, I'll run a webinar to cover off these things. And one of this is one of the big ticket items. To get the best from coaching, be prepared to do some work. We don't know what the work is on day one. I don't know what you're going to be doing, but I can guarantee you'll be doing something, whether it's reflecting, practicing a new skill, having a difficult conversation, you will be doing. I think the talking things through is sometimes, um, obviously a critique <laughs> level to coaching, but sometimes it's misunderstanding that it's, you know, this is like, just get stuff off your chest to someone and then you'll feel better. When in fact, that's, that's maybe going to help you feel better in the moment, but what are you going to do about this situation? That's, that's normally my response. And could I say then on the back of that, that another myth could be that coaching only takes place, like all the work that you need to do during a coaching engagement will be during the sessions with your coach, <laughs> because it yeah. strikes me that there's a lot of other stuff around that too. Absolutely. And I've only a few times in my career, but they are memorable uh, conversations with senior, senior um, 
HR people who want me to coach an executive and they want me to quantify the amount of time this person will have to spend on coaching. And I find that a very difficult thing to do because yes, we could say, look, we're going to have six sessions and that adds up to a certain amount of time. But really, I'd like you to be working on this all the time. You know, I'd like you to remain a, keep a focus on your personal development, on how you're behaving and thinking and leading other people, not just when we sit down together, but for all the time we're working together. And then, well, that's why people will be very used to hearing me say that your, your development should be treated like a project, not like a series of meetings. If it's a project, it's an ongoing activity. There's a goal in mind. Uh, you've got some tasks to complete. And really crucially, it occupies some time in your schedule. Without that kind of mindset, coaching becomes conversations with me and then sometimes some frantic activity just before the conversation. <laughs> and that doesn't benefit anyone. You know, you're just sort of going through the motions and, and sharing something with me. So really, um, we have to have good conversations. We have to have open collaborative conversations. And then you need to follow through and do this stuff you commit to. It's a, it's a really important part of coaching. It goes back a very long way uh, in terms of coaching um, ethos. Coaches are supposed to provide support. But the second thing is they also provide accountability and they hold you accountable for the things you commit to doing. And I've heard that about coaching for as long as I've been working as a psychologist, which is years. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the action is inherent to coaching. So we can say it's a myth that it's just talking about stuff. So is it also a myth that coaching is just about goals? Yes, it is. I, I've also heard this delivered almost like a critique. You know, well, that's just goal okay, setting. Anyone can do that, you know. <laughs> um, but the flip side of this, and I can easily answer that, that goals are really helpful. Uh, they're a tool. Uh, they're a valuable tool in the coach's toolkit and in the manager's toolkit. I, I spend a lot of time training people how to do goal setting in an effective way to, to maximize the chances of someone actually reaching the goal. But, you know, what coaches do so much more than that, there may be situations where a goal is not something valuable to work towards. There, I'm just as interested in understanding what motivates you, why a goal might be important, what's going on in your context at the moment. Um, what stopped you from making these changes in the past and what you can learn from that? And of course, goals are, are limited in the sense that they are achieved or they are not achieved. And from an ACT perspective, um, what we're really looking for is to help people live a valued life. And that's about direction, not the destination. Uh, so um, we can use goals to indicate there's a, a point on this journey you really want to reach. But you know what, I don't want to frame that in terms of success versus failure, because if someone is using their values to make decisions to move them towards value destinations, that's that's winning, you know, that's doing what matters. Um, goals, unfortunately, 
can result in unintended consequences and behavior that really doesn't align with someone's values. If the goal is a quantifiable one and the goal is held as more important than the how you get there. And many people listening to this will be familiar with that in organizational settings. The number can be reached, but people leave a trail of destruction behind them in order to reach it. So I talk about um, helping people understand what matters and helping them get there rather than automatically assuming everyone I'll work with has a specific and neat goal they want to achieve. And one question, just in case uh, some listeners were wondering, because you you mentioned ACT. You said something like from an ACT perspective. Can you just let us know what that stands for? (laughs) And this is because I've been talking about it all afternoon. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, So ACT stands for Acceptance and Commitment Theory. And it's um, originated in the world of therapy and clinical contexts, but um, it's been translated for workplace contexts and especially coaching. And it's a very powerful way of um, bringing an evidence base to life in coaching. And it's all about values, valued direction, doing the stuff that really matters uh, rather than, um, you know, what someone might view as a traditional, that's the goal, go and get it. And um, that's the, what the evidence shows us is that ACT can bring real value uh, to people's lives once they practice these skills, which is another underlying, of course, there's going to be work in between the sessions because you almost certainly be practicing some of these ACT-related thinking skills. And another question <laughs> that I think is uh, useful, especially for some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, which is you, when we were talking about coaching is just about goals, you said that you also teach managers how to help them to set goals. Do you do that with a trainer hat on rather than a coaching hat on? Or are there times mm. when that might be part of your sessions? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, yes to both. Um, predominantly at the moment, um, I and um, my colleague Lucy are running goal setting training for one of my clients and lots of managers. Are, it's that time of year for this client and we're helping them understand what makes for good goal setting. So that's very much training and they've got a live environment where their organization wants them to do it. So the timing is perfect. However, in coaching, um, it may be that we need to spend some time exploring what makes for a good goal when someone is passionate about reaching something that is important to them, like a health goal, something to do with their well-being, or a career goal. And then it is about giving someone a framework, like the smarter goal framework, to say, look, these are some helpful uh, criteria you might like to think about to, to help your future self really understand this goal the way you do today as we're talking about it. So as I say, it can be part of coaching, but um, I, I would be as interested to understand why it's important to them and how maybe the goal fits into the bigger picture and how the goal is a destination for them to get to, but also what are the steps you're going to take along the way so that we can turn that passion for the future into action today and going forward. So it's a really good question. The context will dictate what approach um, I would take there. 
And well, the, the, if we move on to the next uh, to the next myth, and you, I can see it, the next myth is I'll need to go into my distant past. And you've already touched on the word future just now. So yeah, so that myth of that when I'm if I'm going through coaching, I'm going to need to go into my distant past. Is that a myth? I, I think it's a misunderstanding that um, maybe mistakes coaching for something else, like psychotherapy, um, because the ethos is one of moving towards in the future. It could be really useful for someone to elaborate uh, over the, the recent past to explain why they want to work on something or what their recent context is like, you know, new role, new seniority, or, you know, anything that, that is of relevance but where this tends to come up is when someone expresses discomfort at the idea of coaching because they don't want to talk about their childhood or their early adulthood and i'm here to tell them that you don't need to that's almost certainly not relevant to what we're going to be working on but i think pilar as we've mentioned a few times that some of the things that we learn when we're much younger can hang around unhelpfully when we're older and that can, you know, weasel its way into our self-concept and the way we think about ourselves in a way that holds us back and, and stops us being our best selves. So sometimes people will mention aspects of their early developmental stages, but it's definitely not on my list to say, have a seat and tell me of your earliest memory or anything like that. So my question is, is it about... Exploring the past and definitely, so exploring some kind of past, if it's going to be usefully moving forward or, because there's always, I imagine there's always some kind of, where is this block coming from a uh, question that might come up? I mean, the, 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 the recent relevant past, so I can understand someone's context, that's, that's really helpful, but it's not like taking a life history and, and understanding everything about them. And also, uh, while I might be interested as a human, it's not all relevant to what we're there to discuss. People disclose what they're happy to disclose, and sometimes they make connections, and it's much more useful if they do it as well. So when we talk about sometimes values, we'll, we'll talk about values, and people will frequently make a link between at least some of their values and their upbringing and what was you know, encouraged by their parents or other important figures in their life. Now, I don't ask them, you know, tell me about your relationship with your parents, but they'll say, oh, I know why that's important to me. That was something that I was taught at home and it was very important when I was growing up and that helps me see it's an authentic one of my values. So it's not like the talk of the past is forbidden, but I really want people to understand that that's not what I'm going to ask you to do um, and spend all of our time analyzing your past. It's really about how can I support you to get where you want to get in the future? If we can learn from your recent past and you can identify why what you've tried hasn't worked, that can be a great start. But really, we're talking about the recent past that's relevant to the topic we're working on together. Nice. And I've got uh, our last one today, which I'm really curious about, Richard, how, how often this one comes up. And the final myth is coaching will make me happy. Save the best for last. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think um, this this is me being slightly awkward, but really, um, happiness is not a goal. Happiness is a an experience we can feel sometimes, but not all the time. Because to know happiness, we need to know unhappiness. And that's more than a philosophical distinction, because we know that when we chase um, transient states and we try to make them permanent, that causes us problems because we're shying away from the uncomfortable uh, situations that could contribute to our development or just help us live life as an adult. So, you know, this is the same as coaching will make me confident. Coaching will make me motivated. Coaching will do none of these things. Um, I would never make that claim. I can make you happy. And I'd be deeply suspicious of anyone who said that. Coaching, I would hope, someone could take learning points from coaching and achieve what they wanted to, to give themselves a sense of meaning, purpose, and satisfaction. And they can be things that hang around for a very long time, but happiness is not permanent. And so it can be a, a pleasant side effect. But let's think about how many things give us a sense of achievement, purpose, or are important to us, and they don't make us happy but they're necessary or they're meaningful, but really, would we say we enjoyed them? Possibly not. So we don't want to mix up those things. They can be really purposeful and intentional and good for us, but they may not make us happy in the short term, but they contribute to an improved um, vitality in our lives over the medium term. And that that is a big issue in coaching that we we want to ensure people understand this is an investment in you for the longer term as opposed to at the end of this conversation you're going to feel like a different person i suppose with what i'm hearing is that there's a lot of specificity in coaching in many ways uh, and the word happiness is so broad as well that it's, yeah, it might mean different things for, for different people. And um, yeah, I get exactly. that. I think, am I right in the coaching seems like it's very specific and it feels like we're really narrowing down to specific things that we can either work on or follow up or talk about. Is that right? I mean, y yes. Uh, happiness means different things to different people. And, and what causes happiness in people? It's really different. Mm. That's what makes us unique. So this is not some kind of brutal, stoic, you will never experience happiness with me, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, enjoyment is not the same as purpose and fulfillment. And and this is a really important point that I try to bring to the coaching, that something could bring you a sense of relief and it could really sabotage your efforts to be that better person at work because you're chasing relief and happiness and comfort when actually what could really benefit you is developing the capacity to deal with the uncomfortable but necessary things. So if, if we were to make happiness the goal, you'd be avoiding all of these things. And that's possibly what got you into this position in the first place. So I don't want to never talk about happiness But I also want to make sure that people understand that working with a coach will not create a permanent sense of happiness because sometimes doing meaningful things is not going to make us happy, but it will help us feel that we're doing the right thing for us, gives us a sense of fulfillment and purpose 
And that's much longer lasting and better for us than chasing permanent happiness. So, you know, happiness is a very subjective thing, and that's fine. And what leads to that happiness can be very, very different uh, for each of us, and that's fine too. But when we talk about things like values, when we talk about things like thoughts and emotions, we can be nice and specific, specific about what those things actually are and minimize any misunderstandings. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. So I suppose, Richard, that the, to wrap up, the nicest thing would be, I, I think, a call to action for listeners who want to find out more about coaching with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm suggesting this one because it just feels like a, feel like a next step. I don't know what you think. Absolutely. Um, if you, we've got a page on the website, worklifepsych.com forward slash considering coaching. We've pulled together some key messages around, you know, coaching its benefits and some of the resources that we've got for our considering coaching campaign, uh, to help people understand that it's not all the same, depends who you work with. And, and of course our considering coaching webinar will be there as well. So you can hear some of our, our key messages, uh, there as well. But don't hesitate to get in touch. You can drop me an email at podcast at worklifepsych.com. Either if you want to discuss how we could help you introduce coaching into your organization or provide you with coaching, or if you've got follow-up questions or comments or arguments about today's <laughs> myths and misunderstandings, I'd love to hear from you. We always love to hear from people um, who listen. And actually, Pilar, since the last time we spoke, I've had two more people get in touch uh, just to mention that they enjoyed something and uh, that they referenced the podcast when they were talking to people about a topic. So it's a delight to hear that. It's it's really nice to know you are out there and it's um, it's helping in some way. So get in touch. Let us know what you think. Pilar, that's a great point to wrap up for today, I think. Yes, I think so. Okay. Well, listen, everyone, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.